the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right. Welcome back to the conversation. Want to turn a corner into dealing with an important topic and, and one that ironically around the periphery, I think we're all familiar with. You've, you've heard comments of, along the order, for example, when it comes to um, sports training, things of this sort, exercise, the old phrase, no pain, no gain, right? It's designed with the thought in mind of testing your endurance and stretching your ability. That certainly can be a helpful way that pain can bring about advancement and growth and development. Certainly, pain can also serve us as a warning of danger. I mean, if you get a little close to the burner and start to feel it smack, you're inclined to rapidly pull your hand away before you do third-degree burn damage to yourself. So that's another case where pain can be your friend. But sadly, I think when it comes to emotional pain, we oftentimes see it singularly as an enemy and never in the form of being beneficial. So how can we change our thinking in that arena? And and are the ways in which pain, in fact, can be our friend, so to speak? <laughs> Don Damon, a lot to unpack. Don, of course, is the founder of Braveheart Mentor Coaching. She coaches uh, women over 50 and success in life and uh, multiple award-winning author and um, pastor of a church for a long time as well, recently retired. Don, always a delight to have you with us. Hey, Craig, thank you for having me again. It's always good to hear your voice. You sound like you're doing wonderful. Well, you're, you're using pain for your advantage. Pain for some gain. And let's talk about that because yeah. a lot of people, boy, they like to eschew any kind of a painful experience. And I, I think we can certainly all understand and relate to that. But is it necessarily always something that we should run from? Or are there ways in which, as I kind of suggested, when it comes to things like a warning sign or or advancement of, of improving our own, to say, physical uh, well-being, that it can be our friend? Pain is definitely something that can be our friend. It is a great motivator. Our brain is wired to respond quickly to pain messages. We know that it's a stop doing this and do something else. And like you said in the beginning, that can be good for us if we're touching a hot stove or something that can actually harm us. That pain messages to stop are not helpful for us when we are experiencing the pain that's producing a good benefit for us. Then we have to embrace pain. We have to push past that signal to stop and keep on going to get the benefit. But you know, our brain is wired to avoid, for us to avoid pain and discomfort. We don't like unfamiliar territory. And so a lot of times we get stuck, Craig, because it's gonna be painful to keep going, to change, to have transformation. So it does it come down to a matter of not just sort of historically our relationship with pain, but also learning how to sort of rewire it, so to speak? To make pain our friend, to yeah, reframe how we think about it and actually get excited. And let's make a distinction right now. We're not talking about pain that's harmful. We're not talking about the fact that you would be in danger. 
let, there's a distinction between, you know, when I'm experiencing some pain, I can say to myself, I can do hard things. It's okay to be uncomfortable. Millions of people are uncomfortable. Millions of people don't eat food tonight. It's okay because we love our comfy, cozy, cushy lives. But then if you can use pain and recognize that, you know what, actually, I have to cross through this threshold of pain to get to the bonus, to get to the reward and the prize that's on the other side. I have to press pain, past pain to improve my body or to reset my metabolism. Yeah, I'm gonna feel hungry. Yeah, that's painful. It's really more discomfortable than anything, discomforting. But if I don't press past it, I'm not gonna get that body I want. I'm not gonna discipline myself to exercise. Or what about even just this, in personal growth and development, if I don't turn off the TV, if I don't say no to some of those social events, if I don't experience some of that pain of being, oh, I gotta do the hard stuff. I don't get promoted, I don't elevate, I don't grow, I don't write that book. <laughs> I know a lot about saying no to things as an author. I have to push past pain all the time to write and create and I wanna be with people, I wanna be social. It's like, no, I've got to experience hard. I've got to push past the pain. I've gotta find my edge and push past it to get the reward. Well, ask anybody, for example, that has gone through surgery. You know, when I went through my mm -hmm. cancer experience here, uh, I don't know, seven years ago now, yeah. uh, and uh, the the late afternoon, early evening of the surgery, when the nurse showed up and said, "Mr. Roberts, um, boy, you've got some color back in your face now. Let's go for a walk." I, I'm thinking, "Yeah, this is a joke." And then she said, "No, I'm I'm, I'm serious. I'm here to help you get some exercise." And, and I'm thinking, "Okay." Alan Funt is going to step out from behind the curtain at any moment now. Uh, older uh, folks will, will get that reference. Uh, well, that never happened. And it, it took a little bit of initial persuasion. But okay, I got up, you know, having been sliced open like a Christmas turkey and did that little walk. And then the physical therapist and the nurse explained that the faster we get you moving, the faster you're going to heal. And oh, by the way, this little set of stairs over here that seems like Mount Everest. Um, the, you know, we don't want you to hurt yourself, but if right. you can push through the pain, the benefit yeah. is going to be you will heal that much faster and get out of our bedroom and get into your own. And boy, I like the sound of that. And so every day, if they said, we want you to do two laps around the the nurse's station, I would do three. And if the next day they said, you did three yesterday, do four, I'd come back and do six. Only because I knew that there was an, an innate benefit. Yeah. Pushing myself through, again, you don't want to hurt yourself. You don't want to pull stitches open and create another problem. But maybe sometimes just the understanding that, that there are ways in which that pain can make you stronger. The pain can make you stronger. And it's oftentimes fear of the unfamiliar, fear that stops us. Fear says you're going to hurt. You're going to die. You're going to look stupid. Your your reputation is at risk. You're unsafe. And, you know, that is just our, our old lizard brain, if you will, saying, you know, stop what you're doing because I don't, my brain, the brain's number one job is to detect threat. And it says, no, let's keep you here. But just like your example, 
if we give into that fear, if we give into that rationalization that our brain wants to give us right away to say, stop doing this, we actually can do a disservice to ourselves. We don't make the change. We, we don't we don't get out of that toxic relationship. We don't press our bodies. We don't go for the, uh, to take that test. We don't study. We stay in apathy and, you know, average. We stay small. We limit ourselves. So we have to find that edge and be willing to get outside of our comfort zone. Otherwise, the way we live, it's really called staying in the box, staying in the cave, protecting ourselves. And because we avoid discomfort, we do, we stay stuck, we stay addicted, we stay broke, we stay in bad relationships because change is scary, but it's also necessary. Push your boundaries, take more territory, don't live small. Motivation won't come. Don't wait for that, by the way, because it won't come. Uh, you weren't motivated to get up out of that hospital bed. You were motivated to stay put. And that's the way our brain wants to keep us. But. If you don't, you'll have discomfort of another kind, Craig, because that box, it's really scary when we get older and it's called regret. I should have done more. I should have taken the risk. I should have taken the leap. I should have changed when I had the time. So I encourage people to face their fears and make necessary changes, risk it, push the boundaries, tap your potential, for goodness sakes. And is a big part of this as we sort of make these excuses and, and get engaged in, in you know, degrees of rationalization, the what, what ifs, uh, is a lot of that really based in fear of the unknown? And I'm going to I'm going to venture out a little bit here and probably get myself in trouble and maybe a little bit of lack of faith at the same time, because, you know, there that element of trust needs to be there. I, I needed to trust the nurse that the nurse knew what she was talking about. And so sometimes you have to kind of step out on faith. And and even though you can calculate in your mind, well, what if I fall? What if I tear a stitch open? What if I bleed out? You know, your brain immediately goes to all the worst case scenarios. And I would imagine that that the enemy helps to to help reinforce some of those negative worst case scenario thoughts, doesn't it? I agree with that. I think that fear is totally a thief of our dreams and yes a lack of faith or or a floundering faith that maybe it's like i don't know if this is god i don't know it maybe it's wrong maybe it's, you know god god doesn't want me to test him i should stay safe and and again those rationalizations that really serve to protect our status quo and sometimes we even get angry at people who would come to us with faith statements like go for it take a risk we say hey you know we feel inside don't challenge me and don't you're triggering me don't trigger me um don't push me and we resent that but and we try to intimidate those people who would try to speak faith into our lives and then again like i said we stay stuck in pain of regret the pain of apathy unfulfilled purpose the death of dreams and i believe that yes like peter in the boat he could have stayed comfortable he could have stayed in there with all those other sissies i mean disciples he could have but he said i'm gonna take a risk do something really scary i'm gonna get out of the boat and look what he had as a result the, the faith that it took yeah we can say he, he he all those messages that we preached that he started to you know fall in the water he took his eyes off jesus yeah but he also did the thing so don't fear failure get out 
take a step, get on that water. What an amazing testimony he has now to say, I was falling in the ocean and Jesus rescued me. And now I know I can go anywhere with him because he's, he's going to come through for me. Take that risk. Take a step of faith. You bet. Yeah, we'll, we'll never know to what degree God has got our back unless we allow him the opportunity to get our back. Don, we appreciate the time. This is really an important topic, and I hope that, you know, even though we've just literally scratched the surface of this subject matter tonight, I really hope it's it's maybe opened some eyes this evening for people that have been fearful of pain, fearful of taking risk. And again, we're not saying going out and doing something crazy, but, you know, a, a little bit of stretching yourself just beyond the point of your sense of self-confidence that then allows the Lord to come in and meet you in those gaps, uh, right? You know, Lord, I, I believe, help thou my unbelief, right? Uh, to, to allow that stretch of our faith. And you can only do it by engaging. You can only do it through action. And, uh, and learning that you can leverage the power in pain for personal growth and personal transformation. More information available at Dawn's website, dawndamon.com. That's D-A-W-N-D-A-M-O-N, just exactly the way it sounds. It's spelled dawndamon.com. Thank you, Dawn. As always, we appreciate your valuable insights. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. We think about the Christian experience. We try to wrap our minds around what God's grace is and what that means. And, of course, we can intellectualize this. We can attribute to grace unmerited favor. We can try to think through what this means. And yet, I have to be honest with you, in the hmm, 40 years, I guess, now that I've been a Christian, as much as I think about grace and appreciate grace and experience grace and have it touch my life on a day-to-day basis, there's an aspect of grace that I don't understand And that's probably a good thing, because there are aspects about grace that go so far beyond, I think, our ability to intellectualize it. This holy and righteous God, in front of whose eyes we have all sinned, as we're told in Romans 3 and 23, dead in our transgressions, and yet while we were sinners, while we were yet sinners... God sent his only begotten son to die on our behalf that through that substitutionary work on the cross we might not only be saved and forgiven but reconciled unto him and experience grace in our day-to-day lives. Brian Christopher has written a new book called Simple Gospel, Simply Grace, How Your Christian Life is Really Supposed to Work. Bob, by the way, is CEO of Basic Gospel and host of the daily call-in radio program of the same name, Basic Gospel. And Bob, thanks so much for being with us tonight. Well, thank you, Craig. It's great to be with you. Looking forward to the time together. It's an important topic, I think, because um, believers, I think, of, of any stage in their walk with Christ need to be reminded of how incredible this grace is that God has shown toward us. And the totality of what it means is we see Christ as that bridge between death and life and and what it means to be reconciled unto very God himself because of his grace for us, um, I think ought to simply leave every Christian, again, no matter what stage they're at in their walk with Christ, ought to leave every Christian absolutely with their minds blown by this. 
Oh, Craig, absolutely. Um, Most theologians, when they get to their later stages of life, and this has been through 2,000 years of church history, you know, when asked, you know, what is the most important subject uh, about Christianity? And they always choose the word grace. Um, because e- even if they've been Christians for 50 years, 70 years, 80 years, they feel like they've just cr- uh, scratched the surface. And, and grace is one of these big words. I mean, Jesus Christ is full of truth and grace. Jesus Christ is grace itself in, in essence. And when you think how big Jesus is, that's when you start to get an idea of just how big this grace of God is and how powerful it is to make us alive together with Christ. So I think it's the most important subject, the uh, most important word in the in the Bible apart from Jesus Christ and, and the word God itself. Is it a word that we need to keep coming back to again and again and again? In other words, uh, sometimes you, you, you hear some that might suggest that this grace is a one-time experience, that God showed his grace toward mankind uh, there at Calvary. We can uh, partake of that grace in our salvation experience, and then once one, once it's done, it's done. Is, is it that way, Bob, or is it really an ongoing experience? Well, it's an ongoing experience. I say in the book, you know, once grace gets started, it never ends. And, uh, you know, one of my favorite writers is D. Martin Lloyd-Jones. And oh, yes. he said this, the Christian life starts with grace, it must continue with grace, and it ends with grace. Grace, wondrous grace. You never can get away from it. And as soon as you start getting away from, you know, the grace, grace of God, I find that's when things start to mess up. Um, I, I find that's when, you know, I get anxious, I lose peace, I've, you know, I have this restlessness inside. But every time I circle back to the grace of God and get a fresh look at what that exactly means in, in my everyday life, things start to settle down and, and, and the peace of God that passes all understanding begins to fill up all the spaces in, in your mind. So I don't think we can ever get away from grace. I, I, I know know most people and many folks um, communicated as kind of first grade stuff but really it is it is the foundation it's the building it's the roof it's it's everything about this christian life your book title uh, simple gospel simply grace uh, might suggest that there's a simplicity to this and i guess it's kind of interesting because it, it it's simple to the degree that scripture lays it out for us and yet there's a level at which i don't know that we can ever really fully understand grace can we no, I don't think we can fully under, understand it because it's it's really the essence of who Jesus is. And so we're ever going to be growing in our knowledge of, of Christ and growing in the grace of God and learning how this grace of God applies in, in everyday life. So it's a lifelong endeavor to grow in grace. And then, uh, you know, when we go to be with the Lord, when he comes back, when we all receive these resurrected bodies, we're going to stand as as testimonies to the grace of God throughout eternity. Uh, and boy, just when you think of that, then you realize just how powerful and how wonderful this grace really is. Break it down in terms of, of understanding um, what this means when we talk about grace. Um, we say unmerited favor, and uh, people might think, well, you mean like when the when the judge uh, throws out my parking ticket when I really should have gotten it anyway? Or <laughs> help us better understand that. 
Okay. Well, I think that's a really good question. And, uh, you know, if, if uh, you know, a judge throws out our parking ticket or uh, a cop decides not to give us uh, a ticket when indeed we've been speeding, that's, that's uh, on the mercy side of the equation. Um, so that's withholding from us what we justly deserve. Grace is giving to us what we do not deserve. Um, so grace is this very present, active word in our lives. So all of us, when we come into this world, we're dead in trespasses and sins. So spiritual death is a big problem. We don't deserve life. There's nothing that we could do to merit life. There's nothing that we could do to bring it about for ourselves. So God, in his grace, has to reach down to us, even though we were dead, and make us alive together with Christ. So that's the first aspect of God's grace. It's, you know, when you read that uh, passage, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for it is by grace that we have been saved through faith. It's, it's a gift of God, not of ourselves. Well, the whole context of that passage is going from death to life, that God makes us alive together with Christ. That's grace. He gives us what we did not deserve. And then it's this life of Christ that sustains us. So we're always in his favor. Nothing can separate us from his love. Um, by his grace, he's forgiven us of all of our sins. By his grace, he teaches us to say no to sin and to live righteous, upright lives. By this grace, he builds us up. He encourages us. He gives us a brand new identity. He helps us through trials and tribulations uh, in life and he works within us to bring about his purposes in our day-to-day experience. So grace touches every aspect of our lives. So I, I like to say that most people think of grace as a word that covers the past, but actually it's a word that meets us at our point of need in, in the present and moves us forward. So it's a forward-moving word uh, tied to Jesus Christ, his spirit living within us. Um, That's just how wonderful it is. Bob Christopher with us tonight. We're looking at his latest book, Simple Gospel, Simply Grace, how your Christian life is really supposed to work. Uh, You might be a new believer in your faith and struggling through some of these questions, and and, uh, we want to encourage you to take the opportunity to get your questions answered. Maybe you've been in the the faith uh, walk for a lot of years, but there's still some things that you don't quite understand. A brief time out, back with more as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to the conversation. We're visiting with Bob Christopher, the book, Simple Gospel, Simply Grace, How Your Christian Life is Really Supposed to Work. Let's talk a bit about this concept that you were sharing earlier that I I think is an amazing one and will help us perhaps understand a bit more about the breadth and depth of God's love for us. Um, You talked about grace and sort of the first part idea that we see it as withholding punishment. It's an idea of something that is being kept from us. So we get the speeding ticket, but the judge decides to let us go even though he knows, we know, yes, we broke the law, yes, we are deserving of this punishment, but regardless, the judge shows his quote-unquote grace and keeps the punishment from us. But the grace of God goes so much further than that, as you were suggesting before the break, Bob, because it's not just a matter of God keeping a rightly deserved punishment from us, but then it's what he gives to us in and through that. Oh, absolutely. It is It is Christ himself living in us. 
Uh, I've defined God's grace as this, God's work in Jesus Christ to make us spiritually alive and to power, empower us to live in this world as his children. So we we can't do that on our own, and that's that's where I missed it for so long, Craig. I I was trying to live out the the Christian life with the old adage, "Try harder." Every time I fell on my face, I'd get up and make promises to God, and you know I would just give it my best shot, trying as hard as I could to live the Christian life. And the harder I, tr- I tried, the tighter sin's grip became in my life. And when I finally understood the grace of God. As, as being more than merely a covering for the past, that's when the Christian life started to make sense. That's when I really discovered how it was supposed to work. Jesus Christ living his life in and through us. And I think that's what much of the Christian world misses as far as the gospel message is concerned. Well, let's elaborate on this point for a moment. You, you mentioned, and I think rightfully so, the, the problematic viewpoint, which unfortunately in, in modern-day pop Christianity seems to be more and more prevalent, this idea of Christianity being a, like a self-help program or a self-improvement program. We hear this kind of nonsense preached from the pulpit of, of Joel Osteen. It sounds to me... Uh, oftentimes like an Anthony Robbins seminar without walking on hot coals and, and you have to pay, of course, or contribute to the uh, to the offering plate at some point during the service. But it, it almost, well, it doesn't almost, it outright cheapens grace and, and turns what God is meaning to be this wonderful experience of, as you suggest, not just withholding punishment, but then giving to us. It, it really short circuits and robs us of the fullness of his grace when we see it as just this sort of self-help or self-improvement program. Yeah, God doesn't want to make us better. He wants to make dead people alive in Christ. I mean, our, our old way of life was empty. Uh, Peter really nailed it in his first letter when he said that life that was handed down to us from our moms and dads is nothing but an empty life. Uh, you can slice it every way you, you can, and it still comes up empty. So God sent Jesus to put an end to that old life and to raise us up with him so we could walk in the newness of life. And that newness of life is a life lived by grace through faith in Jesus. Um, And we really have to learn to embrace that simplicity. And, And here's where the difficulty lies, Craig. Faith is a foreign concept to us until Christ comes in our lives. And then we start to discover what a life of faith is all about. So constantly from, you know, Genesis through Revelations, we see these reminders. Trust the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Those who put their confidence in the Lord, those who believe the Lord. That's the one thing that God is looking for from us, a heart that believes him. And in that faith... All kinds of incredible things happen in our day-to-day lives. But why is it that so often, Bob, we wind up getting bogged down in fear and in guilt? And it, it, it becomes, I, I think, of we see this every once in a while, some of these extreme sports programs on TV. And you watch these guys go in white water rafting, and all of a sudden they're heading down, and they think they're having the grand old time. And all of a sudden, the, the torment of the water overcomes the, the raft and overcomes them. They might find themselves suddenly out of control and 
running off the edge like you're about to head, you know, right over the the edge of the, I don't know, uh, Niagara Falls or something. And, and suddenly you become absolutely overwhelmed by fear and guilt, just like the guys get overwhelmed by the torrent of water when they get out of control. How, how do you how do you go about extracting yourself from that when the flow of the current is so fast? Well, Craig, that's a great uh, that's a great point, and and boy, a beautiful an- analogy there as far as fear in our lives. Um, you know, fear has to do with punishment. That's how John connected it in his his first letter, and he says, "Perfect love casts away that fear." And if we're really going to grow in grace and embrace this new life that we have in Christ, we first have to settle that forgiveness issue. We have to recognize that the blood of Jesus actually did take away our sins once and for all. Um, That is, I think, one of the most critical truths that that we need to latch on to and really take our stand upon. And that's the fact that when we receive Christ— we receive forgiveness of sins. Um, Paul said it twice, once in his book to the Ephesians, once in his letter to Colossians, that in him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So the question is, are you in Christ? And if you answer yes, then you can ask, well, what do you have according to these passages? Well, it says redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now, the question that follows that is, do you really believe it? Do you really believe that right now, at this very moment, you have forgiveness of sins? And that becomes the real issue. If I struggle right there, that's when fear can take hold of my life. And we're going to pause on that point. When we come back, I want you to share with our listeners the uh, uh, Binaka story. I think it'll, it'll paint a nice picture that will ideally illustrate the challenge here, particularly in that sense where sometimes we struggle with the notion that his grace is insufficient for us because we see ourselves as being unworthy and unlovable. And there's nothing worse when we end up getting caught. We'll come back to more of the conversation with Bob Grissom. Christopher, as this edition of Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Simple Gospel, Simply Grace. Bob Christopher, my guest on this segment of Lifeline. And uh, Bob, as we talk about the struggles that we often have with this notion of uh, feeling unworthy, unlovable, sometimes uh, just feeling uncomfortable with the fact that we feel this sense of fear and guilt. Uh, you've got a great story in the book about uh, your experience as a young man uh, with um, Binaka, which I have to be honest with you, when I first saw it, I thought, oh, I remember that. I didn't even realize they still made it. <laughs> but tell us a bit about that story. I think it, it ideally helps illustrate this point. Well, well, Craig, it, it was uh, an experience in seventh or eighth grade. I got involved in a shoplifting gang, and we would go into drugstores, and, and we would just steal things, things that we didn't need. And one of those things that we stole quite often uh, was this little breath freshener spray called Banaka. Well, one night, uh, Friday night, I spent the night with my friend David, and we went out and went to one of those stores, and we stole some banaca, and we stole a lock. Why? Just for the challenge of it, I guess. And uh, so we came back home, and, you know, I went home the next day, and as, as things would have it, David's mom went into his room and started cleaning up, and, he, and, and she found the lock, and she asked David, uh, where'd you get this? And uh, he said, well, we stole it. 
and you know he just he just he just caved like any person would and uh you know as moms do um you know she dug a little deeper and and david told the whole story about you know bob actually stole it and we got banaka too and so she uh you know tried to figure out what to do and then she picked up the phone and called my mom and uh that next monday i was delivering papers uh i had skipped out on my band band rehearsal i was a truant so you know i'm a thief and a truant and uh you know mom's not real pleased with me and uh she says get in the car and i'm like no it's a beautiful day and finally she says banaka and i was just done i unraveled right then and there and knew i had been caught and you know i could just imagine the punishment that was coming my way and uh mom and dad decided they were going to take me back to every store that i had stolen something from and i was going to get in front of the manager and confess what i had done and they were going to leave my punishment in these managers hands and fortunately for me they were lenient and just required that i pay back uh, pay them the money for the things that I, I stole, which I did. Um, but that didn't relieve my guilt because I knew, you know, my sin held something with God. And at that point, I just walked on eggshells wondering what God was going to do with me. I knew punishment was just around the corner. And that fear just overcame me in such a way that every time I sinned, I felt Jesus left me. And so I had this formula. I'd confess. I would would, would ask God to forgive. And then I would ask Christ to come back in my life. And I probably prayed 500 different times during my teenage years for Jesus to come back and live in my life because I didn't know what he had actually accomplished through his death, burial, and resurrection. And finally, I went to a Bible study, and the teacher started explaining Colossians chapter 2, when you were dead and your transpasses and sins, he made you alive together with Christ. He forgave all your sins. And that forgiveness just poured over me, just washed over me, and finally I rested in the finished work of Jesus. And that fear of punishment went away because I knew Jesus had taken my punishment for me. And in exchange for that, he gave me his righteousness. That's a pretty good deal. That's what grace is all about. God giving to us what we do not deserve. But because he loves us so much, he was willing to send Jesus to take our punishment for us so that we could stand in his presence as righteous as Jesus Christ himself. Let's get to some calls. We're going to head over to uh, Lee in Palo Alto. Lee, come on in with your comment or question for Bob Christopher. Well, the Banaka story was wonderful. I think uh, probably a lot of people could identify with it. I sure could. I remember beating myself up for years. But one thing that I wanted to ask, and I don't know how to ask it without sounding kind of like uh, expecting too much um, or or putting a demand on God, which would be like a sin in of itself. But my question would be, when you know you're forgiven, when you know that it's finished, how do you um, somehow experience God's grace and not like the everyday grace where we have our health, we have the sun, we have our needs and whatever, but God's unmerited favor on a day-to-day basis with Him actually walking with us. Um, I, I don't know 
if I asked that right. I just I'm yeah. not talking well, I think about. I, I'm, I'm following what you're saying there, uh, Lee. As as far as how we experience the grace of God, I, I think the first way we experience it is 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 by resting in His finished work. You know, mo- most of us are, are tense inside, we're anxious inside, because we're not sure if God really loves us or not, or if God has forgiven us or not. And when we finally come to that point and recognize that the work has been finished, we experience this sense of rest uh, inside of us. So that's the first way we experience it. And then we experience it um, by the Word of God becoming strong in our lives. and. And us learning to say no to the temptations uh, of, of this world and the temptations of sin. We recognize that what the world has to offer is just empty. And so I think we see a, a sense of victory in our lives as far as the world is concerned. And then I think the third way that we experience the grace of God is is by really getting to know the heart of the Father and learning to see the world through His eyes and people through His eyes. And we get so caught up on in morality and trying to make the world a better place, but God sees people's hearts and he and he sees people in one of two ways. You either belong to him or you're still lost and dead in sin. And when we see it from God's perspective, then our hearts start to melt and we want to reach out with that gospel message. So the the grace just gives us, um, I, I think, deeper insight into the very heart of of God the Father and what His love is all about for this world and the people that we shoulder uh, with every single day of our lives. Does that help, Lee? Yeah, it does. It helps greatly. I, I remember in the Old Testament where you had these people that poured out their hearts to God, like Hannah, who couldn't have the child, and, and when she was in the temple with Eli, and, and she just poured out her heart, and, and God gave her the grace of answering that prayer. And I think the third one, because I, I know in my case, I, I know I'm saved, and I'm in the Bible often and around other believers, but I want to see the, the, the Holy Spirit type, um, uh, how could I put it, like answer to prayer more than just in, in our area. Maybe it's just this area. It seems like there's a lot of Christians, but we're kind of impotent. Well, I think you're I think you're right because um, you know our greatest asset, as far as believers are concerned, is is a knowledge of God. We really know what God is like because Jesus Christ has has made that known to us. You know, when we see Jesus, we see the Father, and so as we grow in our relationship with Jesus, and as we grow in our knowledge of who He is. I think we're going to see our hearts melt toward the world in a way that we want to reach out and and connect those people to the love of Christ just as we have been connected to the love of Christ. So just just make it your prayer that, Lord, I want to grow in your grace. I want to grow in in the knowledge of who you are. And I guarantee you that's a prayer he will answer. And you will see that being answered in time. Very helpful. All right. We appreciate your call tonight, Lee. I guess part
part of this too is 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 the ongoing struggle that we have with the flesh, Bob. Um, we we at a level because of the conviction of the Holy Spirit recognize that we are in need of of forgiveness. Uh, we recognize that we have sinned and offended a holy and righteous God, and and yet it's difficult for us sometimes once having had His grace extended to us to fully accept that, embrace that, and I guess at certain levels um, even learn uh, the concept of forgiving ourselves as much as God has forgiven us. I, I got a kick in your book. You make reference to this. I think shows the, the level at which mankind struggles with this, that Stanford University here in our backyard actually has something they call the Forgiveness Project. Yes, yes, they do. And, and they're trying to figure out if forgiveness is really an essential part of, of well-being and health and, uh, you know, normal relationships. And they're discovering that that's, that that's the case. Um, but, but they spend a lot of time on this idea of forgiving ourselves. And it's interesting when you when you scour the Word of God, there's there's no place there where God says you need to forgive yourself. What He does say is stand firmly in the forgiveness that I've given you in Christ. And when you recognize that, then you're able to let go of the past. You're able to let go of those things that you've been dragging around in life for years and years and years. So when when we stand firmly in what Christ has accomplished, that's when we can really forgive ourselves and let go of the past and fully embrace um, the resurrected Christ here and now. Bob, we sure appreciate the time and the book, Simple Gospel, Simply Grace, How Your Christian Life is Really Supposed to Work. The new book, by the way, published by Harvest House and available at Christian bookstores throughout the Bay Area, as well as through Amazon.com and uh, Bob's website, too, simplegospelsimplygrace.com. And there again is Bob Christopher, host of the call-in radio program, Basic Gospel. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to KFAX.com. That's KFAX.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time around, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.